Welcome to the Do More Podcast, where we share strategies and tips for improving your life in every aspect. Here's your host, John Farling. All right, guys, welcome back to the show. Today, I have uh, a new acquaintance, Brennan Palmer. He is, uh, from what I understand, this is actually, other than uh, the few minutes before the show, uh, discussing the show, uh, this is the first time talking to him. So I'm, I'm going to um, sit here and learn with you folks. But uh, Brennan Palmer is a marketing um, expert, and I know he's, uh, and that's related to self-storage. I saw him post something in a uh, self-storage forum on Facebook about, hey, I how what was it? It was how to add a uh, chat bot to your self-storage website. Uh, DM me for free, and uh, I'll send it over to you. So I, I took the bait. I DM'd him. Uh, he sent it to me. I thought it was interesting. I was like, hey, let's see if we can get this guy on the podcast. So, Brendan, welcome to the show. Why don't you tell us a little bit about yourself? Thanks, man. Appreciate it. Uh, yeah, so, Brendan, I live in North Texas, which is outside of Dallas in a suburb here. Um, I own two storage facilities currently myself. I have one business partner. We're out of state. We own them in about four hours from me right now. So it's kind of it's kind of been good, right? Get to experience that whole out-of-state ownership and kind of learning how to manage it without being there every day. Like I go there every three or four months, you know, and that's about it. So got a little bit of experience in that. Um, I love marketing. Like it's truly like a passion for me because it, it's a it's almost a game, right? Like it's a you're constantly problem solving and you're trying to figure out solutions to make more money, make more sales and keep customers longer. So it's, it's a fun game that like never ends and nobody wins it. Like you just keep going, you know? So that's, that's a little bit about why I love marketing history of marketing is I, we were talking before the, the show I did some, I did funnel designs for some other private equity guys um, doing different courses and, coaching and all that and did a lot of the funnels, you know, got into that. And that's, that's a whole nother game itself. And then got into offer creation and just one thing's led to another. And now where I'm at today is I am helping small businesses typically doing less than a million dollars in gross revenue, do better at their marketing and make more money. So we do a lot of stuff, but that's kind of the gist of it. That's awesome. So we're, we're going to dive into a bunch of stuff here. So when I think of marketing, especially when it comes to when it's related to self-storage and just in general, real estate investing, I think of basically two avenues. One, creating leads, finding leads, and two, uh, especially self-storage marketing for for renters, customers, right? Um, so I guess let's go down the list. Let, let's start with building your list. Uh, do you help with that? How do you market everything involved with that? Yeah. So storage being, you know, I'm in the storage game. I see how we all have really horrible websites, right? I think all of our websites, they kind of stink, right? Like they're, they're ugly. And, and I'm going to, it's not necessarily the owner and the manager's fault. It's we're all using software probably owned by one of the companies that I won't name them, but they own most of it out there, right? They're a management company. They're not a marketing company, but they, they have the ability to have websites through them and they are hideous they're horrible they're not they don't convert people they don't speak to the the user it's just yeah right so i think one of the first things storage owners can do is try to you don't even have to go change it you don't have to hire somebody else but but try to think from the consumer side on their website what can i do to reduce confusion when a new customer comes in and clicks on this website and how can i get their information before anything else you know because right now I go to a bunch of the websites, including my 
my old website was this way too. It's like you go there. Okay. There's 12 different sizes of what's available. It's overwhelming. There's maps and everybody's looks the same, right? We've my personal business and I've got other people starting to do this too, is we've, we've went more to a squeeze page. Are, have you tried this at all in your, any of your businesses yet? I don't even know what that means. Okay. So it's like it's a funnel, page. right? So when they land on my business, it's actually, I'm not going to show them prices. I don't reveal anything. What I reveal to them is why we're better than the competition and why mm -hmm. they need to hop in now. And then we do a lead capture on that first. So you want the prices, we have some available. Here's, you know, our essentially our offer stack, why we're better than the competition, what makes us so great, how we can help you. If you want to hear more, just put in your info here and then click here and then we'll activate. Hmm. Well, then we go into AI and stuff and I'm not going to go into that now, but that's, that's how we're building our list because there's a lot of people that just are shopping, right? They come yep. in, they want to see what your prices are. They still opt in and I build that list, right? They're curious. All I'm, all I want is your name. And I think right now we're collecting phone numbers, not even email, but it's still a list, right? And that is extremely valuable because if I ever want to remarket to those people, I've got that list building constantly in the background where all that traffic before was coming, looking, clicking around and leaving. And I never built anything out of that. You know what I mean? So, yeah. So I've heard, and just for myself, I know whenever I see a website like that, I never sign up and I'm on to the next one. Cause I'm like, I don't want them capturing my information. Mm -hmm. So what's your argument to that? And also I've heard that having pricing as soon as you land on your landing page, is what you want. You want it simple and you want pricing there so that they know exactly how much it is on your landing page. So what's your counter counter arguments of that? Okay. So pricing, if you, if you are the cheapest in town and you're going to stake your flag, like, Hey, we are budget friendly. You won't find a better price. We're $29 for a 10 by 20, whatever it is, right? You are the cheap one. Stake that flag and claim it like right there. We're the cheapest. Here's our prices. We won't be beat. If you find somebody better, let us know and we'll beat that price. You know, like I would go all in on that. And a lot of storage people, that's what they're shopping for, right? Is they come in, okay, what's the 10 by 10 cost here? Cause I'm comparing it to public storage down the street. But I think what you need to split test on your sites and test out is do they, can you persuade them that, yeah, yours is five or $10 more, but you're different because public storage is going to charge you a $30 signup fee. They're going to charge you for the lock. They're going to, you know, do this, this, and this. Can you be different than that and make your value better? Does that make sense? Mm. Yeah, absolutely. So, so I think when it comes to that, if you have, if you have a business that's big enough to actually test this out, you know, this isn't going to work on a 20 unit, you know, small remote location or something. But if you have an actual like legit good size um, storage business going, I absolutely think you could split test this and find out what works better. Maybe the people in your city, they want to see prices and you convert better that way, but I would test it for sure. Gotcha. That makes but, sense. But let me, let me go back to, so I, I hear what you're saying. Like I I'm the same. I give, like, I have a spam email that I just like, it's like spam at brennanpalmer.com. Right. And I don't check it. And I use that all the time. Well, that's fine. But, and I hear your argument on that, but if you're truly interested in the product that you're looking at, you're going to put in. Right. Mm. And, and, and there's ways you can, you can kind of give them a little bit of information, but then still want to capture it, you know, give them some prices. Like our prices start at $59 sure. to hear more and see our current availability, availability, you can do that. But when you capture those leads, you get to contact them right away. So if they're like, if you go there and you're interested, 
um, I, I don't want to give you guys all like what I'm testing because I love testing it on myself. <laughs> but what we're doing right now is when you opt in on our page, it actually connects you immediately. It rings my employee if it's during business hours. Her phone rings and it's going to connect them to the other person. Right. So we're going to get them on the phone immediately and try to convert that lead as fast as possible. Hmm. So, and if we don't or they don't answer or it's after hours, we actually have AI kicking in and starting a conversation with them via text. And that's why we really care about capturing that text. But, anyways, I'm not, I'm getting off track. Going back to the websites, test it, see what works best. Just remember that most of these websites are designed by, um, you know, these companies that are not marketing experts. Okay. So play around with it, see what works better for your site and then go with that. Always be testing. Got to always be testing. Yeah, that makes sense. So uh, let's back up a little bit. You said, well, one, you said you've got two smaller sites. If you weren't, if you had to go third party route to market, would you be able to afford that with smaller sites? And what do you, what do you figure a smaller site is? Cause I'm sure there's people listening. That's like, well, I've got a 15,000 square foot site. I've got 20,000 square foot site. Are those big enough to bring in, you know, an expert like yourself for, for marketing? Yeah. Yeah. Oh, and so yeah, you can go two routes. You can kind of DIY it, right? You can, there's a lot of this stuff's out there. You can, I'd be happy to show anyone, you know, how they can do this themselves, but a lot of people don't want to get into it. Don't know it, but really like, I think the the numbers really change when you get to, at a minimum, $100,000 in revenue. I'm more revenue-based uh, is how I kind of think about it. When you hit that $100,000 in revenue, adding you know a few hundred dollars or a few thousand dollars to your expenses isn't as great. But if you have a site that's only doing $65,000 and you end up you know trying to automate it with AI and do all this cool stuff, yeah, it's going to work better, but does it justify you know a $2,000 and a $5,000 expense to get it set up? That's, you know... That's kind of where I'm at. I feel like once you cross that $100,000 threshold, then you have a little bit of room to play. That's just the way I invest and who I talk to. I don't know how, you know, what your thoughts are on that or what you consider a small facility, but um, that's kind of, that's kind of where I feel like the needle can move and it doesn't cost you much. Yeah. And I think, I mean, it's very so much, right? Like I think the, the right way to look at it is revenue um, mm -hmm. and more than likely because that side, you know, hundred K a year, you're probably looking at what, uh, maybe a 15,000 square foot site, maybe depending 15 mm -hmm. to 20. Um, so yeah, you should be able to, and really when you're underwriting deals, you should have a number in there. Um, uh, maybe not necessarily for third party marketing, but you need some money in there for, for advertising anyways. Um, go ahead. And I was, yeah. So advertising, that's a whole, so that's like its own branch of marketing, right? Like we get all these cool automation systems, but then all of a sudden, you know, it's so market dependent that advertising, I'm sure you see it in your locations. You know, some people are running spare foot. Some people are using Google ads, Facebook. It is so different market to market. You can acquire a customer for $50 on Google, you know, in, in some markets, but you come here in Dallas, you're going to spend $300 on Google to acquire that customer. So that that's a whole nother animal that I think you you hit it on the head. Like you've got to underwrite for that. You got to do a little research and say, hey, I need a ten thousand dollar budget for just running ads. You know, if you're getting a five hundred unit facility in whatever market. Like, come up with those numbers in your underwriting, so that when you go spend that, it doesn't. You're not like we're broke or this doesn't hit the numbers. We're not going to hit our projections because of the cost to acquire a customer in those markets. Yep. Okay. So we've got. 
Uh, most of our websites are crap. Um, we need, so now it's, we got to fix our website, right? Um, an expert like you can help with that. What about, um, I, I want to dive into SEO, but what about advertising? Just, we'll, we'll start with simple, just with specials, half off dollar, whatever. What are you doing, um, for advertising? Obviously you just said Google ads. What else are you doing? Does it vary market to market? How does that look? I think it varies market to market. I can't give you an answer that works for everybody. Uh, Google to me is the best. Your cost might be high, but you think about it as a consumer. What do you you go to Google and what do you do? You need a problem solved, right? Self storage near me, and it's going to ping you and look at your location or Google Maps, right? That to me, that is the hottest. You know, you look at the the warmth of a customer, right? Hot, they want it now. Warm, it's like they're like, oh, I could use it. I could take it. Go cold audience, they don't want storage. Why are you know they're not going there to search? So you're not going to have cold audiences. And the same with your website. People are going to your website. However, they get there, they're not cold. They're warm, right? So you can again talking. You're solving a problem for them, and so you can kind of bank that into how you market to them. So Google for me is my favorite. Any market, anywhere. It you get the customers that you want. Cost depends, right? That changes. Um, another company that gets a lot of hatred is Sparefoot, right? Like there's some people that I mean, I, I love bringing that up in groups because it's it's like talking politics. Some people love it, some people hate it. I think what I would do, and I have a client right now actually that we're putting some AI systems into, and I did a little research for him, and I was like, hey man, there's like he's in a pretty good size market. There is nobody on Sparefoot right now. Like you would be the only one. You need to get on there, right? Like easy, easy because they do SEO for you. They do paid ads to drive traffic to their website. So I'm a big fan of Sparefoot. As much hate as I'm going to get for saying that I am in certain markets. Um, and then finally, a lot of people think about Facebook and Facebook is, it's different. Remember we talked about Google's like I have a problem. I go to Google to have it solved. Facebook mm -hmm. is a social platform where people are there. Yeah, they're talking. They're in the groups. They might be having something solved, but they're not searching for solutions to their pain. However, I don't discard Facebook. I think Facebook's really good to retarget. So if you get people coming to your website, you pixel them. You know, it doesn't matter what ugly website you're using. You can pixel those people that are there. And then go retarget to them on Facebook because they were there. They were thinking about it. You didn't close the deal. Let's go be omnipresent and then follow them around on the other social platforms. And it's very cheap, very cheap to retarget people on Facebook. Where if you run like uh, lead campaigns on Facebook, I don't know if you've done that. Yep. That's expensive. Like that adds up quick, but retargeting, super cheap, super easy. And uh, they've already shown interest in your business. So maybe you'll exactly. capture them off Facebook and close them later that day or tomorrow or next week. So, so explain that really quick. What do you mean by retarget and pixel? And Okay. So I know little, I know like this much about marketing. I do my own marketing, which is probably bad, but um, mm -hmm. my guess is a lot of people probably don't understand what that means. Yeah. So what I would do is create a, if you haven't done this, create a Facebook pixel through like their ad account or whatever. You can hire somebody on Fiverr to do all this for you too. Get that. It's essentially a code that goes on your website. And when somebody comes at website, you know how you search for something and all of a sudden you see it everywhere? Yep. It's because they're they're tracking you, right? You pixel them. You, you track them from your website and then you go back into your... So I come to your website today. I log in, log out, or I look at it, I leave. Now, if you pixel me this afternoon when I'm on Facebook, all of a sudden I'm going to start seeing 
johnstorage.com everywhere. That's weird. Well, maybe I should buy that one or book the one now, right? And then all of a sudden I come back in. It's very cheap to retarget somebody on Facebook, relatively hmm. cheap compared than going after a cold audience. So that's where I think Facebook's very beneficial. I know there's some people that I've talked to, they've had good success just running regular campaigns on Facebook. But to me, the, the audience mindset is different. You don't go there to search for storage. You go there to be social, right? So if you combine all of them, I think that's a that's a big win. Okay. So here's a question probably for, well, a lot of these questions are for myself, but um, talking brand recognition, uh, let's talk your sites. Are your sites um, under the same brand or are they separate brands? Yeah, they're the same brand. I'm so... <laughs> I'm one of those people like I love helping people set up their brand stuff and I have like the ugliest ones and stuff like it's brand is a long term play, right? Like branding, if you're going to build a brand and go nationwide with it or even regional, like that's important. I'm and people want to spend so much money and time in that. And that's it's OK to spend a, know that, hey, I've got a 10 year horizon where I'm going to build this brand. I'm going to be recognized around this city, this neighborhood, whatever I'm on. Uh, Personally, the way we run our, again, we're not huge or anything is it's like uh, my whole goal when you come to my site is to convert you or collect your information so I can remarket to you later. Mm. That's just, that's my thing, right? Like John's brand might be completely different. Maybe it's really important to have only these colors and this is our tagline. That's fine. Just know you have a long play at that. And that should be, that should be thought of as a long Brand building, very important, especially on an exit, right? Like if you're going to exit with 30 sites and it's all unified brands, colors, signage, that's huge. But if you want to convert people now, and that's personally what I care about, is I'm more, I worry more about the offer, the 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 wording and how we persuade them to opt in so we can have that phone call. Because we get them on the phone or we get them on AI, it's going to, it's going to take care of themselves. So does that answer your question? Yeah, well, and I, so I've got going back and forth. I my storage facilities are basically name of the town self storage, mm -hmm. and now I do have several locations in a few of those towns. But there are towns where I've got one location, and obviously each town, not everything's under one brand. So I'm basically doing all this work for each town that I'm in. Um, yeah. Do you suggest that, or do you suggest putting everything under one umbrella, one brand? I would go under one brand personally, just for marketing reasons. I mean, it's so much easier to replicate if you're doing ads. Like, let's say you're doing Facebook retargeting ads. You literally just use the same ads because it's your same color. Everything's the same. You just retarget a different group of people, you know, yep. and change the wording. So I personally would tell you to start to unify it. Um, it, it would make it easier. Plus, I think on the exit, that'd probably be better. I don't know if that's your plan, but you know, to kind of start to get that brand recognition because you think about are, are your sites all in the same area or are they all over the country? They're all in Ohio. Yeah. Okay. So yeah. So people start traveling all of a sudden they're seeing johnstorage.com everywhere, whatever your brand is. All of a sudden they're like, man, this place is blown up. I stored with them in this town, but now my daughter moved to this town and we're going to get the yeah. same one. They had a good experience. They're going to come back. So you kind of building that longer term uh, brand building and you know, the customer support in the long time. If you're, you know, doing a great job and people love you, they're going to want to yeah. go back. That makes sense. Looks like I need to order a bunch of signs. <laughs> um, <laughs> well, that's a big project. It's a website, big project. Ah. What's that? 
We'll look at your websites later. That's <laughs> all good. All right. Uh, there was one thing I wanted to hit on. So you said you start going down um, a ton of great information um, that I'm sure everybody listening um, can can implement. Um, but you said something that remind me of, oh, I guess it was like just Google Maps. So this was something that I just, whether it's helped or not, I have no idea. But I went to, I've got an Apple phone, but I don't use Apple Maps. I just happened to download Apple Maps one day and look at my storage facilities, and about half of them were actually on Apple Maps. So I was like, I probably need to update Apple Maps because I've been so focused on, um, you know, Google My Business and, and Google Maps mm-hmm. where I haven't even messed with Apple. Uh, and my guess is Apple probably catches up at some point, but a couple of them I've had for two or three years, Apple never, um, I guess, updated business information. So is that, I know that's somewhat related, somewhat not. Is that something that you see? Yeah, I think that's a very valid question right now because what's right, everybody's experiencing this. You can actually go in there now and edit and do it. And I would because it's just another form of one SEO somewhere, right? Like, yeah. I don't know the exact, I don't know Apple well, but I'm sure it has to do with SEO somehow. But get that update because some people prefer Apple Maps. I don't, I'm a Google guy. I use Waze and Google. That's about it. But some people are the opposite, right? They love and they're only going to use that. So you want to be easily findable on there. Yeah. However, the only thing is I wouldn't, I wouldn't go all in on that because again, going back to Google's a search engine. When people search for their town self-storage, those Google map listings pop up right away. That's right now. That is the hottest, most important thing you can do. Have a lot of reviews and pop, be findable on there. Have good, a good listing, you know, a good Google My Business listing. I'm sure Apple's coming along and we, we do need to pay attention to that. But right now, what we're seeing is Google is still a dominant force. You're never going to beat because of their search engine. And we can come back. I want to talk about reviews quick because that is really important. Yeah. But I, I do want to mention... It. And I'm not an expert at this, but I just want the audience to know if you haven't seen how Google's moving forward, right? Have you seen their AI search stuff, how it appears and gives you information? Pay attention to that. That is going to be the new SEO. Okay. So whatever it can pull from your website through their AI creatives and create information for that AI search, that's going to be extremely important. So it's brand new. We're all learning on that right now. 2024 will be the year of that where I think... Google My Business is still critical, but I think having a good Google My Business account is going to translate into that AI SEO stuff going on with the new search engine. Does that make sense? Hmm. Yep. Interesting. So pay attention to that. Okay. Let's get back to Google reviews. Yeah. Um, I've got a question, and then you can jump on whatever you want to and go go down that path. Um, I've had problems where I've, especially initially, I was like, hey, I reached out to 10 buddies. Hey. Give me a Google review. I'll review yours. None of them showed up. They were flagged. And then my my sites were, I was at least, you know, page one or page two on Google. And then I just dropped off. So I stopped asking for reviews. Um, we will ask renters every once in a while. If they reach out with a good experience, we'll say, hey, we appreciate the feedback. Can you give us a good Google review? Other than that, like I've stopped asking for them because it seems like every time I did, I'd get flagged. Um, and obviously they were, they were fake reviews too, right? They know. Um, so how, how yeah. do they, what's the best way to go about that? So I think the best thing is like, if you, if you have employees on site that are like in an office, walking people through it right there, when they sign up, if that was a good conversation, you know, things were just fun. Everything was great. Ask for that review. Obviously don't ask for the person that's horrible, but 
do that. And then I would automate it on the back end too. So as soon as they get in, check in with them or have your automation system say, hey, hope everything is good. If you got any issues, let us know. If you're happy, leave us a review. It would mean a ton. You can also, so again, I'm testing this on myself literally like two weeks ago. I'm about to take this public and show more people soon. Um, but we've got a system or I've got a system where it actually fields the good reviews and the bad reviews. So we just did a, it was a fun trial and it actually saved us some negative reviews where we, we talked to our current, we actually text blasted and emailed our current tenants, all of them at one site. We said, Hey, we're doing a giveaway. Just give us some feedback. Okay. We're not asking for a review because if you bribe them for that review, technically that's against Google's terms. We're asking for feedback. They click the link on their phone and it takes them to a page. All it has is one to five stars. If they mm -hmm. click star four or five, it opens up a section like literally on that page and says, hey, leave us a Google review to be entered in the drawing. Okay, if they leave a three, two or a one star, it looks like, and then all of a sudden it, it changes, the page changes, they leave their feedback. It looks like they're giving us feedback that we're asking for. It's like, hey, why weren't you happy? Actually, I don't even think it says that. It just says, leave us your feedback. What happens then is that we do not push them to Google to leave that review. That's an internal feedback and it comes to our email for myself and my manager. So we got, I think we ended up getting just shy of 20% people to leave a review on that campaign. And we had one or two negatives that came to us and we were able to field them. So that's awesome. Everybody left five stars when we knew they were happy. Then we asked for it. So there's some automation stuff you can do. Stay tuned. I'll be I'll be exposing that soon. I'm really excited to show people that because I think that's really important because if somebody's unhappy, we got to figure out why. Like yep. one of the complaints, somebody's like, I saw a mouse running around here the other day. I'm like, well, okay, we'll talk to our pest people and we'll handle this right. and maybe we'll turn it around and we can ask for a five-star review later. But yep. anyways, reviews, automate, ask them, you know, have that in your system or, or do some other creative things. So that's, that's awesome. I've, I've never heard that. Um, question here if you're a three star and under you're you're going to the trash basically and four or five you're you're getting posted um that's awesome i've never heard that yeah and and it doesn't violate google's terms of service um because we're not we're not bribing them for that we're just literally asking for our own business and then when we're happy we make a second offer to them they don't have to go to google but it just automates them right into it so it's kind of cool but you know do what works for, you know, test stuff again, test it. I've tried, I've tried bribing our tenants with it. Actually, I did this over the summer. Not really. It's against the policy, but I was like, Hey, we'll give you a $10 credit on your account next month. If you leave us a review, I tried that. I got one person to do it. Like nobody <laughs> yeah. cared. But when I said, Hey, we're taking feedback. Here's a $50 Amazon gift card for anyone that enters this. Like, I mean, it, it was insane how many people at least click the link. Not everybody completed it, but the ones that actually clicked it and thought about it, it was, it was incredible. So yep. keep it simple. Just do something you can repeat over and over and over and just slowly grow your Google reviews. Yeah. The competition's awesome. not doing it. Guarantee the competition's not doing it, <laughs> you know? Well, or they're doing like what you said, you know, get a $5 because I've done that. You know, yeah. if you, if you give us a review, we'll give you a $5 bribing them basically. Yeah. I think I've had one person take me up and we've tried it four or five times. It yeah, they don't, they don't care. They don't care. No. Or what you could do once a year. Another option you could do once a year. I was thinking about this is doing kind of like what I was talking about, kind of that tiered system where we keep the bad reviews out and just do do something big. Be like, hey, we're doing a yeah. 
you know, before Christmas, we're doing a $400 gift card to the best steakhouse in town or whatever. If you want to get in, leave us a review here and you could, you know, kind of make a game and people will do it. $5. Eh, they're like, I think at least what we're testing, right? We, we both confirm it. They're like $5, $10. I don't care. $500 to, you know, the best steakhouse in the city. Heck right. yeah. We're all going in. And for you to me as a business owner to spend a couple hundred bucks to get way more reviews than our competition is a no brainer because Google is going to reward us for years on that. So that's awesome, man. That's yeah. awesome information. Um, so let's dive into AI. What can you tell us? Explain. Obviously, you know you you had the post with a uh, AI bot chat chat bot on our on websites. Start with the basics. Start then go in the where you think it's going. How you think it can help um, self storage investors and real estate investors in general? Uh, what's that look like? Absolutely. So there's a lot of things coming down the pipeline, but what's available today and and pretty much everybody can implement it no matter what your website is, is the first thing, and I've done videos on this, first thing before we even get to AI is get get a chat widget on your website, okay? So people love texting. I was on the, I was actually talking mm -hmm. to my manager this morning. She's like, everybody texts me now. I hardly take calls. I was like, perfect. That's what we want, right? So first thing I want to talk about is get a chat widget on your website because it will blow your mind how many people come to an ugly website they see that chat widget and they want to text with you or they want to message with mm. you. And the best way you can do that for free today is using Facebook's messenger. They have, it's like a really simple code. I don't know if you've tried it. Mm. It's awesome. So you put that on your website, boom. Now you're communicating with the generation that doesn't want to pick the phone up, right? Yep. Phone's going away. The phone is going to be the fax machine in 10 to 15 years. Everybody wants to message. So that's the first thing before we supercharge it with AI, I just want somebody to get something useful out of my conversation. Put that on your website. You'll be awesome. Okay. So people love messaging. People love texting. We know that's coming. AI is really good at that. So let's say, for example, you put that Facebook Messenger chat widget on your website. We can now integrate conversational AI with that. Like super easy. I program it for your location or a bot engineer does, whoever does. And then they connected to that. And then when I come to your website and I say, hey, do you, are you open on Christmas? And all of a sudden it's like, hey, what's your name? Oh, it's Brennan. Hey, cool. Nice to meet you, Brennan. Yeah, we do have hours open on Christmas. Here's what it is. Or when I say I want your prices, like I'm going to have that text conversation with that bot and they will not know it's a bot. Okay. Yeah. I've got proof of this in my own business. People are like, oh, thank you so much. I'll see you Friday when I come in to get my lock or whatever. They have no idea this is a bot. Like it's that good today and it's it's going to get better. So that's one really easy way to integrate AI is a conversational bot on your website. The next thing you can do, and this is, you're going to see this this year, mark my words, the, the like 24 hour tech support on a website. So instead of send us a message and we'll get back to you and have that conversation, they're going to pretend like they need support or the, the customer thinks they need support. So they're on your website. They're not calling you. And they're like, Hey, yeah, uh, here's my name, my email. And then they're like, Hey, I'm trying to figure out how to pay my bill. And that bot's going to have a customer support conversation on the website. You mm -hmm. know what I'm saying? So it's not, it's not going anywhere else. It's not on Facebook. It's like right there. And it's just AI having that conversation. It knows your SOPs, it knows your links, it knows your business. And it's just going to be a, 24 seven human on your website, having a conversation right there. So wow. that's here. 
that's ready to go for anyone that's put that in. I'm turning mine on literally like this afternoon. I was talking to my manager today. We're, we're going live with our own, testing it out, but I know it's going to be fine because it's the same conversational bot we've been using in our other methods. So yeah. that's the website. Okay. So still got an ugly website. That's cool. We can now capture leads free on there with Facebook, or you can turbocharge it, like literally turbocharge it with conversational AI. Totally up to you. So that's one easy way to use AI in storage right now. Another way, and this is my favorite, is when you call or I call your business today and your employees don't answer or I call you at eight o'clock tonight because I want to rent a unit. Nobody's going to answer that call. It's going to voicemail or maybe they're around. They just they're busy, right? They're on the phone with somebody else or out in the field. Well, what, what we've done now is this really, really cool thing where when it comes in, notices, hey, that call didn't get answered. It immediately texts me back. Did you play with this bot, this ringback responder that I call it? Have you tried that, John? I have not. Okay. I'll get you the number to call. So okay. I have a demo bot set up. Oh, cool. But literally you call it, nobody answers. By the time you put your phone down, you've got a text message in your hand. It says, hey, thanks for calling John Storage. We're a little tied up. What'd you need? So it's like, you know, when you call a friend, right? And they text you back like, hey, I'm tied up. I'm in a work meeting. What's up, yep. right? It's the same thing, but it's from a business phone number this time. Wow. So that response comes in and me as a lead or even as a, you know, a current tenant of yours, I have a problem. I called you for a reason. I either need space or I need to pay my bill or whatever it is. All of a sudden, then that bot goes in and has that conversation through text messaging. And it's awesome. This is, this is. To me, this is the biggest win for storage because I don't know about you, but like I bought my first facility in 2020 and I was shocked how many people still call the rent and pay bills and yeah. do all like, I'm like, can we use, you've got a phone that can do anything like get on your phone and use the website, but nobody does like, well, I mean they do, but a lot of them call still. Yep. That's just where it's at. I, I don't know. I don't know. We try to direct people to our website as much as possible. People still call. So this is a huge Huge win for storage investors because you can convert those people quick. If I needed a unit and it's seven o'clock at night, well, the office closed at five, but the gate hours are open till nine. That AI bot will still walk me through how to sign up, what the gate hours are, answer all my questions and close me through text conversation. And they don't know it's a bot. I'm telling you, man, like it's crazy. It, it's really cool. So I think that if I was... To advise anyone, what's where should I put my time and effort right now? It's that because I, I a couple of weeks ago I was sitting. It was eight o'clock in the morning. I think it was like a Friday morning. I'm sitting playing with my kid in the living room, just doing doing our thing. My phone buzzes and I see it's ESS. That's what I use. I was like, oh, somebody just rented a unit. You know, it's eight forty five or whatever. I'm like, cool. Well, I know my manager's not answering the phone yet. Nobody's answering the phone mm. on a Friday at eight o'clock. So I was like, let's see if AI did this one. I went back and sure enough, it was like, it walked him right through, answered his questions, sent him the link to book. He he bought the unit he wanted and he was in, right? So AI takes care of everything. Just had that happen again yesterday. It was like, it was awesome. It was after hours, walked it through, booked somebody on their way. So it, it, it's pretty cool. So that's where AI is today. Now AI voice, man, we need to have a talk again at the end of this year because I think AI voice, I think you're going to call. And all of a sudden when I call your storage facility, I'm like, Hey, I need a unit. I'm going to have a conversation 
with somebody and I don't know if they're human or not. Like, yep. I probably think they are. I'm sure you've seen some of this AI voice stuff. It's really good. Doesn't replace humans still because there's there's those times it's like kind of gray and we need human logic to jump in and say, no, we absolutely will not allow that. Or yes, we can do this stuff. But 99% of the time, these bots can make the right decision for storage, right? Storage is pretty simple. Yep. So that's what's coming. No, that's crazy. Yeah, and, I, and I, that was going to be my next question was was AI voice. So when it comes to chat bot or, or even the, the text back, the AI text back, um, do you have to fill out something that's like, okay, here's our hours, here's simple answers to simple questions about locks or whatever. Do you have to fill all that stuff out or what do you do to? Yeah, we train the bot. So it's awesome. We could, we could like, if I built you a bot, we could make it be an absolute jerk to your customers. Like, or you can make it the nicest, sweetest sounding old lady ever. Like, so first you kind of start with the personality, the tone of it. And then, yeah, you, then essentially you train is it's like an employee. Okay. It's like, if you sat down for three days with a new employee, you said, Hey, you're going to have this cell phone and you only text people. Let's just say, now I'm going to teach you everything about my business. Here's the website. Here's the hours. Here's, you know, our policies, right? That would take a couple of days with a normal person. When you're training AI bot, it's a little bit faster. What you can do is scrub websites. So we'll send it out to actually learn your website, learn your information. And it gathers that. And then we add on to that. And then we, we train it, which is really like you would have a conversation with it and run it through the ringer. Like we would do that and be like, oh, that's a bad answer. Let's fix that because our policies aren't that way or whatever it is. So mm-hmm. that's that's the biggest hurdle to getting all this going is training that bot and having the tools in place. Like that's not really something right now that you can you can do it, but you're going to struggle, right? So that's why you need somebody that's a little bit more of an AI bot engineer to go ahead and spend a week or two programming these bots. And then you're off to the races. Yep. Well, and it sounds like you've done that or at least starting that and the where, and I was going to make a point of this is me as a storage owner, I, like my strength is finding deals and underwriting mm-hmm. deals. My strength is not marketing. I do a little bit, but the more time I spend in doing that, I'm losing out on leads. So I would suggest, you know, finding an expert like yourself, um, a third party to handle these things. And you don't, you know, it's good to learn a little bit, but for me to learn all this and implement this day to day, to me, it doesn't, it doesn't, uh, to me, I, I gain more traction having someone like you, a third party doing that work. Um, so, and it sounds like you're training, sounds like as you go forward, you're training your AI bot to where you can plug and play with someone else. Like if I came to you. Yeah. Right? So yeah. Yeah. I'm not just using my own. Now we, we've got a couple actually are going in play that started last the end of the year. And then obviously we've got a couple more ahead of us here early in the year that we're putting into play in other businesses. And one actually client of mine, it wasn't supposed to be on, we had trained it, but he wanted to wait for a certain time. And I actually left it on and it started having these conversations with his calls that his employees were missing and stuff. And I was like, I, I reached out to him. I was like, Oh, Hey, I see you turned it on. He's like, no, I never turned it on. I was like, Oh, well, it's running wild, like in a good way. Like it was, it was crushing it. It was like helping all these people out and stuff. And I was like, well, that's good. He, it blew his mind. He's like, wow, that was way better than I expected. <laughs> so yeah. That was the voice or the text? Text. The text. text okay. Yeah. Yep. It It's amazing. I'm telling you, man, it will blow your mind when you see how many people 
call and don't get that call answered and want to have a conversation through text. Like everybody is texting now. It's crazy. So I guess I I want to say something quick. If whatever, whoever you work with, or if you want to figure this out on your own, one thing anyone can do this year to do better at their storage business is get a textable number. Like Mm. even if it doesn't have AI supercharging it and having conversations, as long as it's textable and you can get back to them within 30 minutes or whatever, obviously the longer, the worse, but something because people are texting nowadays. Like it's just, you, yeah, it's, it's pretty incredible. How many people see a number on a sign and text it instead of call it. Right. Yeah. That's a good point. And truly I, I need to implement that because we use call rail that goes to our call center and, and then goes through our software. Um, and we check it a few times a day, but we're not getting on, we're not getting alerted that we're getting text. Um, so we probably need to update that. Yeah. So are you able to monitor your um, percentage of answered calls and missed calls and stuff like that with your software? Yes. Awesome. Yep. And that, that makes a big difference too. You're like, man, we're missing a, missing a lot of calls. We're not missing many. We're doing good. You know, I love that metric. Yep. And a yep. lot of people are yeah, running landlines. You have no idea with a landline. Yeah. Yeah, so. yeah exactly. Um, so this time has flown by. I've, my mind's been blown about, I, I knew a little bit, but this has uh, been awesome information. What haven't I asked that would be beneficial? What I miss? I, I think so. Yeah, all this stuff is really cool. But if you're if you're smaller, you're you know I know you said you're like for you you're chasing leads for the next deal or whatever. You don't have time to go do all this. One thing I think a lot of people that are still trying to do their own marketing, and I think social media and blogs are still important. You know, some people disagree with me, but that does have a play in all of this use AI for that. Like, I think you might've saw that video started this conversation, you know, earlier on you and I, but like you can take chat GPT and build your branded for free. You know, like this is not my service or anything. Like literally you go in there, you can build a custom GPT that knows your brand, your specialty. Remember we talked about having that, like your competitive edge, you can teach it all that and then have it produce content for you and sit down and do a week's worth of social media posts and two blog posts for you. You know, you might have to edit a little bit, but if you program that for you, I think that's one of the big things. A lot of people are just AI so cool. I want AI voice. I want all this. Well, like there's some things that we can use today that are really simple and they're free. And I think using chat GPT to create your content when you've created your own micro GPT for your brand is super important and really beneficial. It'll save you a ton of time. So that was the only thing else that we didn't cover that I wanted to talk about real quick. Yeah, for sure. No, that's awesome information. All right. So I guarantee, I mean, if I was listening to this, I'd reach out. Um, I already have your information, but if people want to get in touch with you ask uh, how you can help them, how do they, how do they find you? So you can find me on, uh, I'm mostly active on Facebook. If you want to find me on any of the socials, you can send me a DM there. As long as you don't go to my spam and I see it, I'll probably DM you back. So that's one way you can get a hold of me. Um, otherwise, you can go to my website, which is coremarketing.io. We have a couple different services. We have some software and some stuff like that for people, but um, you can get a hold of me on that. You can get my socials off that stuff. So that's that's our brand. Coremarketing.io. Coremarketing.io. Yep. Awesome. Awesome. And we'll, uh, we'll put that in the show notes as well. Awesome, man. Appreciate you coming on. Awesome content. Uh, a lot of stuff that I need to implement and uh, maybe reaching out to see if you can help me out. Thanks again, man. Thank you. See ya. Thanks for following, subscribing, and listening. 
to this episode of the Do More podcast hosted by John Farling. To learn more or ask questions, go to l4investing.com. <laughs>